The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time on a Sunday morning here on Riviera Radio where we talk to Rob Kay. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very, I'm very, very well, Howard. I'm, I'm very hot. It's, uh, it's stiflingly hot here. I think uh, I read somewhere that in parts of the south of France, it's now this week hit uh, nearly forty degrees, which is, uh, which is way too hot, in my opinion. Yes, and summer's just arrived. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, in between all the political developments that dominated the news this week, it was also reported that various UK banks are closing the bank accounts of their expatriate clients or at least writing them, asking them to make alternative arrangements. This is clearly a very important subject for many of our British listeners. However, before we discuss this in more detail, what caught your eye in the news this week? (laughs) Yeah, well, as you said, Howard, the UK news was this week certainly dominated by all the ministerial resignations, which culminated in uh, Boris Johnson finally falling on his sword. At, at one point, it was difficult to know if there were any lemmings left to throw themselves off the cliff, so to speak. Where the UK goes politically from here is difficult to call, but the bigger picture will be interesting to watch over the next few weeks, with many of the players running for cover, and I'm sure wishing their summer holidays would arrive a little quicker so the dust has time to settle. President Macron's wars this week were, were not as difficult as Boris's, but he also had to navigate some extremely choppy waters. After losing his absolute majority in the recent parliamentary elections, on Monday, Macron reshuffled his cabinet. He retained his foreign, finance and defence ministers, but just a month and a half after his last reshuffle, Clement Baum, previously the European minister and a key player in the Brexit negotiations, was moved on and replaced by Lawrence Boone. Boone was previously the chief economist of the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, which is a potentially interesting development with European and Brexit negotiations potentially about to take a different path following Mr Johnson's exit. Now, it wasn't without political or certainly economic connections, but this week travel was thrown into complete chaos. SNCF went on strike on Wednesday, extensive strike action is affecting the prison airports this weekend and airline staff at both EasyJet and Ryanair are also planning walkouts. For the first time ever, I actually had two flights cancelled on me last Sunday. I woke up to an email telling me my evening flight to London had been cancelled. I rearranged that flight, but then a couple of hours later I received another email telling me the rearranged flight wasn't going. When I did finally get away, my rearranged rearranged flight was two and a half hours delay. Let's hope I have more luck uh, with TAP later today and I get to Lisbon without as much hassle. They're flying back into Nice on Wednesday on a flight full of Americans. As reports suggest, it did feel like they may have replaced the missing Russian and Asian visitors. It was reported hotel occupancy is about 80% and for the first time, The sector is back to, well, somewhere close to pre-pandemic levels. However, there are also concerns that if France reintroduces a health pass at its borders in August, visitor numbers will, for the latter part of the summer, plummet down again. In a first move in that direction, as we discussed last week and as is expected, or as was expected, from tomorrow, the Mayor of Nice, Christian Esprosdi, has reintroduced the requirement to wear masks again on public transport in the Nice metropolitan area. This includes Cap Dai, but none of the other communities that actually border Monaco. The number of new coronavirus cases in the Alp-Maritime this week rose sharply to over 200,000, the highest daily number in many, many weeks. The local incident rate is much higher than the average across the whole of France. 
Now, to brighten up all this doom and gloom, I would also like to take this opportunity to congratulate Monaco's high school students, who this week received their baccalaureate results with a 98.5% pass rate. The baccalaureate is similar to UK A-levels or the American high school diploma, the main difference being the bac acts both as a diploma but also as a university, a university entrance exam. Without one, French students cannot go to university and they will also struggle to find a proper job. I'm very proud to say, as my son and the rest of the principalities graduating class of 2002 not only passed their exams, but many of them did so with flying colours. Congratulations to them. So why are UK banks closing accounts? Well, Howard, Brexit, as, as we all know, rewrote the financial services landscape for UK nationals living in the EU. When the UK left the European single market at the end of 2020, its financial advisory service lost the EU passporting rights. It's certainly quite ironic that during a week when UK politics finally turned um, on Mr Tfal, UK banks also renewed their efforts to close bank accounts of European resident clients. Boris's Brexit battle bust adorned with its false slogans quickly comes to mind. As we approached the Brexit deadline back in 2020, lots of British expatriates received letters from their UK banks telling them their UK accounts would be closed. At the time, this commanded lots of media attention. But 18 months on, as the media expose has waned, it's been renewed, um, or, has, or there's been a renewed surge by UK-based banks, maybe because it's not high, you know, front, front of the page news, to close bank accounts of their EU resident clients. We've seen similar letters from various banks over the past week, a few weeks, but one client earlier this week showed me, me a letter she had received from the personal banking division of Barclays, which bluntly told her, and I quote, please take action because we need you to close your account. We're applying limitations to the banking services we provide to customers with an address in the European economic area. We're sorry to say this means we need to close your account. To keep using your savings and current account with us, everyone on the account needs to be living in the UK and all the addresses we have for you need to be in the UK. Now that letter was dated 10th of May and it gave the client until the 24th of November to provide proof that she lives in the UK and that UK address is her principal residence for tax purposes. This obviously means Barclays wants proof substantiated by something from UK's, the UK's HMRC to show this time they are not messing around and they are not providing, if you don't provide the necessary documentation, accounts will be closed as was indicated to this lady on the 2nd of December. Unfortunately, UK-based finance firms are no longer automatically authorised to give advice to EEA residents unless they have the required regulatory permissions wherever their clients live. As we've seen over the past few weeks, if your bank or your advisor is UK-based but you haven't heard from them, it's too early to breathe a sigh of relief. The situation is still evolving and some firms are still holding out, but the issue we feel will come to light. Are you saying then that some British expats still use UK advisors and retain UK financial arrangements after they move to France? Yeah, Brexit has not stopped Brits leaving the UK or moving abroad. Why should it? You know, we've been doing this for hundreds of years. And well before the UK joined the EU, wherever you go in the world, British expatriates congregate and they socialise together. Frequently, they establish clubs and societies and associations. When you're thinking about moving, 
it's, it's not normally something which crosses most people's minds. Why would you leave your home country but then retain the same habits and socialise as you did before you left? It, it probably comes down in the end, though, to familiarity, maybe security, maybe a feeling of, of belonging, maybe there's a, there's a need to be part of a team, or maybe it's as simple as wanting the best of both countries, let's say. Those principles certainly extend to finance. People prefer to stick with what they know. Feeling safe is a, a basic human instinct, I suppose, and, and some people that we've seen go to some extraordinary lengths to maintain their financial arrangements, which they enjoy before they moved. I've seen, I've seen people retain all their financial arrangements as though they were still living in sub, suburban England. I came across one, probably the worst one I've seen, a couple were still pretending to live in a three-bedroom house that's actually now occupied by his son and his three children. On the surface, this is completely illogical because moving abroad was our choice. But from an emotional self-preservation perspective, these actions are maybe entirely logical. Before I moved to France, I spent 20 years working in the UK financial services industry. Some of that time was even spent working for a French company. I'd read all I could read on France, its laws, its rules, etc, etc. But it took just a few days after joining Blevins Franks here in France for me to realise my career, as well as my new life, was actually starting all over again. We frequently heard the expression financial passporting. What does it mean? Before, before Brexit, UK firms all had the ability to provide financial services and advice to Britons living in the European Union through, as the name suggests, financial passporting arrangements. UK providers enforced by the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK were committed to meet the same minimum standards and consumer protection as other EU member states. I'm sure most people were completely unaware of financial passporting or what its loss would mean. The UK are actually now free to make their own rules, as, as we all know from everything that Boris has said over the last few years. So the, U, the EU has no assurances UK firms will meet the EU requirements. As a consequence, the EU withdrawing the passporting rights for UK financial firms, which includes banks, insurance companies, investment providers and financial advisors. Just as UK citizens lost the right to automatic freedom of movement around the EU, most UK financial businesses lost the right to provide banking, investment and financial advice services to European resident clients. So if you live here, but you still have a UK bank account, a UK investment, a financial product, or simply use a UK financial advisor, you need to contact them to find out where you, and more importantly, your money stands. Does this affect all UK financial firms and institutions? That, that depends on how a company is structured and where it's based, Howard. Companies with headquarters in an EU jurisdiction can return their passporting licence and continue to operate as they did before. UK-based firms who want to support their EU resident clients will need to restructure and establish individual arrangements with the financial regulators in the specific European states where they want to operate in. As you can imagine, it's quite complicated, very expensive, and, and very time, it's a very time-consuming process that needs to be followed. These combined factors have forced some very big names from the market, which has left many clients in the lurch and needing support. Negotiations regarding financial services are still ongoing, so it's still possible the, the UK and the EU will eventually reach some sort of agreement. As we've seen, some companies are still burying their heads in the sand, holding out for the potential of a deal which will eventually maybe be struck. 
to avoid them having to go through what they consider to be the unnecessary and expensive process. Others are simply shut up shop or sold their European operations and withdrawn their services from Europe. Has it had a big impact on UK nationals who live in France? That's, I suppose that's quite a difficult question to answer, Howard. The, the impact is not the same for everyone. Some people have had their UK bank accounts closed, as we said before. Some have been told they can keep their financial arrangements. They can take withdrawals, but they can't add any more money or move money between accounts and investments or even apply for a variety of additional services, such as new credit cards when, when the renewal comes up, um, term deposits or, or even foreign currency. If you still use a UK-based financial advisor or financial services provider, you need to check they have the authority to continue supporting a French resident client. Beside the legal implications and whether you are protected if things go wrong, some financial institutions have even stopped accepting instructions from UK-based non-EU regulated providers. So if you hold an EU-based investment, your planning options might be significantly limited if you still have a UK advisor. Now, before I moved to France... I didn't really know what I needed to know to properly advise clients who live in France. And most UK-based advisors are just the same as I was. Most of the systems look the same. How different can France's tax system be to the UK system? The answer is completely. The UK operates an individual tax system, whereas the French system operates on a household basis. The capital gain system, the succession rules, wealth tax. In fact, very little, financially speaking, is the same. Expecting a UK advisor with no French knowledge to be able to advise a French resident, you are taking a massive risk, which at some point will probably backfire. Are there any other disadvantages in holding on to UK assets and investments? I suppose the best way to answer that is, even if the regulatory issues don't affect you, there are a lot of reasons to think more locally for your finances. UK assets are no longer European assets, so European residents will end up paying more tax than they need to. UK individual savings accounts, more commonly known as ISAs, are not taxable in the UK, but they are in France. UK property is liable to UK taxes such as UK capital gains, stamp duty and income tax, but it's also liable to French taxes, including wealth tax. Last year's UK budget changes will mean that UK tax paid on UK rental income will substantially increase over the next five years. If this income was taxed in France, less tax might be paid. So now it could be the time to reconsider how your investment arrangements are actually structured. UK-based assets are always liable to UK inheritance tax. So the Chancellor's decision to freeze thresholds means over the next five years, UK assets will be exposed to more and more inheritance tax. If you're a French resident, whatever your will says... Your affairs, especially your estate, are vulnerable to French rules, which might mean your testimony wishes cannot be followed and your estate and beneficiaries pay way more tax than they need to. Now, an issue which British nationals living in France frequently overlook is the UK lifetime allowance. The allowance, again, was frozen into the 2021 budget and it's frozen until 2026. That freeze will equate to a five-year winter for UK pensions, which is excellent from the UK government's point of view because your pensions will continue to accumulate value, but more tax will be accumulated for the UK taxman to access or take off you when those pensions are actually drawn. If we take tax advice from a UK advisor, can that result in us paying unnecessary tax in France? 
Um, these days, probably more than ever, UK advisors will find it difficult, if not impossible, to give French resident clients financial advice. That advisor is probably not experienced, as I said before, in French taxes or legal matters. And if they have some experience, it'd be limited because it's not their speciality. Limited experience or lack of knowledge is not helpful when you're dealing with any kind of financial advice, especially when that advice also needs to take into account a cross-border situation. Blevins Franks have been providing cross-border strategic financial planning advice to British nationals living in France since 1975. You don't walk that road for as long as we have without knowing what you want to do, what you can do, and also importantly, what you don't do. So if you live in France, or you're thinking about living in France, and you have a question or a query about something financial, give us a call and speak to one of our partners. If we can't help, we'll certainly know someone who can. The telephone number of our local office is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. Or if you want to speak to somebody in our Monaco office, the telephone number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And alternatively, you can find out more about Blevins Franks or arrange a call with the Blevins Franks partner by simply visiting our website, which is www blevinsfranks.com Many thanks Rob we'll talk again next Sunday morning Look forward to it Howard have a great week The Blevins Franks Report If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this programme contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com Want to move to France? It's not as difficult as you may think. Talk to Blevins Franks about the key steps to take before and after your move. We have offices across France with local advisors to help you with. Understanding post-Brexit residence permits, minimizing taxation, navigating and avoiding French inheritance rules, personalized investment planning, and making the most of your UK pensions as an expatriate. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493 001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.